Welcome to the Raw and Uncensored Ambitious Podcast. During our time here together, I will be instilling all of the strength, power, and determination you will need to use the very stones thrown at you to build your ultimate empire. We will redefine the word bitch from the derogatory to the acronym being in total control of herself. So let's adjust our crowns and prepare to live life ambitiously.
protect and bitch us the movement and my community like a mama wolf. And I don't just let any Joe Schmo from Kokomo come into the app and just do whatever they want. I want to make sure that if they are coming into the ambitious community, that they're bringing something to the table, that their vibe is high, and that they are not toxic. Because one bad apple, as you know, spoils the bunch. So I'm also going to be putting that in the show notes. So all you have to do is wherever you're listening to this podcast, go to the show notes and you can either um, sign up for that $44.44 buddy week that's happening from the 21st to the 27th of February or jumping on a free clarity call with yours truly to see what in ambitious land is going to help you be the HBIC of your most ambitious life. Okay. Without further ado, let's get into the witch wound. So like I said before, I'm going to, this is like a three-parter in this one podcast. So the first thing we're going to talk about is burning times. That was when the actual uh, whole, like, you know, back in the day when they were burning the witches at the state, this is an actual real time. And I'm going to go down deep and really get raw and real on everything that has to do with the burning times. Then we're going to get into how to know that you actually have the witch wound. So signs and symptoms that you have the witch wound, and then we're going to get into how to actually heal it. So this could be a little bit on the long-ish side, but I'm, I promise you, you want to stay until the end because what I'm going to, the knowledge that I'm going to impart here is really incredible. And I've done a lot of um, just really researching and going from my own healing of my own witch wound. So this is going to be a really, really amazing podcast. And I would love to hear back from you. So after you listen to this podcast, please, 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 because remember, I do this for free. Every week I get on here, I do this for free. I do this out of the goodness of my heart because I believe that I was put here on this earth to do this work. But it's up to you as part of the ambitious movement to share this on your social media, to tag your friends in it, and also tag me in your tagging of them on your social media. Because I just love to see the ambitious movement spread like wildfire. Okay. So let's get into the burning times. So the burning times, also known as the witch craze, were the period in early modern European history when the actual persecutions for the crime of witchcraft reached their peak. This was an extremely dark time in history and a dangerous time to be a healer, a midwife, a diviner, or an herbalist, but also to simply be an outspoken independent woman. So when I tell you this, guys, anybody that's listened to this ambitious podcast, including myself, we would have been, our asses would have been flambéed, okay? Our asses would have been flambéed. Just know that. So just I don't want you to get angry when I'm reading this. I want you to feel the emotions and I want you to feel the feelings that are coming up for you right now. Because think about it. Can you imagine being hung or beheaded or drowned or pressed to death or burned at the stake for simply just being someone who helped heal, someone who helped deliver babies, someone who had a God-given gift that maybe was a clairvoyant or a medium or a psychic or someone who would just go into the woods and, and just pick herbs and make herbal concoctions for people to get healthy or maybe even they had an animal like a dog or a cat and we call that in which in, in the witch world we call those the familiars and if you know anything about witches these men who said you know these women are witches because of this they would say that they would have a devil's nipple where these familiars these cats or these frogs or rats or dogs would actually suck on okay this is like how fucking crazy shit was back then and they would take these women and they would rip their clothes off and they would look for the devil's teeth. This is a true thing. Could you imagine like Pearl? Like you guys know I have a little Boston Terrier named Pearl. Me and her are like BFFs. I would be a witch just because I had a close relationship to my dog. And to go a little bit further, you would be burned at the stake or tortured or whatever. Even if you were just outspoken or you were independent or, you know, if you were a sex worker, or you were a, a widow, or a woman that never got married, or a woman that never bared children, okay? 
And in a lot of ways, not to get too woo, but in a lot of ways, this shit is still going on in this day and age, but we're not being burned at the stake, but we're being canceled on Instagram. We're being canceled, you know, in social media, in the social media realm. You know, it's still going on. So we might not be burned at the stake, but we still are being tortured in a lot of ways. The impact of the burning times reverberated around the world influencing the Salem witch trials and other trials in North America, as well as the witch hunts in other regions influenced by colonialism. So that includes India, Nepal, Tanzania, Kenya, and Ghana. So as you guys know, you guys know I'm a mass hole, so I was born and raised in Massachusetts. The Salem witch trials are very near and dear to my history, to my heart. Um, a lot of people come from all over the world just to go to Salem, Massachusetts and go to the House of Seven Gables and the Witch's House and do all these witchy things, not really realizing that that energy of the, of the grounds in Salem are so fucking tainted with death and horror and fear and darkness. Like, I don't even like to go to Salem. Like, I do once in a while because it can be really cool because, you know, they might have something really amazing there. But I'm not going there to, like, partake in the bullshit, you know? And I have some friends that are, like, some of the, the head witches in Salem. And they're not there chilling, smoking marble lights, just being like, yeah, this is cool. They understand the repercussions of what the Salem witch trials and all of the other witch hunts all over the world really did to us, not only ancestrally, but as a woman. And witches were not all just female. You know, there were warlocks and there were male witches as well that probably weren't even witches, but they were just burned at the stake for the hell of it, right? So as you know, this impact can still be felt today by many modern witches, pagans, energy healers, herbalists, psychics, and other practitioners of magic and spirituality, and is known as the witch wound. So a lot of people who now um, have the God, they're so lucky. We're all so lucky that we can practice whatever we desire to practice. I mean, man, like, people couldn't do shit between the 14th and 1800s. Nothing. So, the majority of the executions during the burning times occurred between mid-1500s and mid-1600s. And twice as many people were imprisoned, tortured, and exiled. Oh, I have chills just saying those three words. Imprisoned, tortured, and exiled. And even more important to note that is that the most of the victims of the burning times were not witches, guys, okay? Like 99.9% of the humans that were killed and tortured and exiled and imprisoned were not witches. Rather, the witch trials were largely a targeted attack on women especially those who had sexual relationships while unmarried. How many of y'all were banging people before you got a ring, before they put a ring on it? Okay, you would have been fucking burned at the stake. This is puritanical bullshit. And these women could also have been known to perform abortions. Back then, in the 15 and 16 and 1700s, they did not perform abortions like they do now. Most abortions were performed with herbs. And can you imagine, like, what women went through in those times being raped and just pillaged? I mean, can you imagine carrying a baby till term by being, you know, gang raped or even just, like, raped by your next-door neighbor? I mean, this just was the shit that was going on back then. And women who were also targeted maybe wielded too much power and influence in their communities. So if they were a leader in their communities, they're a witch. There was also an attack on anyone who spoke out against the many injustices of the era, such as wealth inequality and privatization of communal land. So say a woman's husband died and she inherited the land that was her husband's with her before he passed away. She was a witch because what they would do is they would fucking kill her and they would take her fucking land and all of her riches and all of her belongings and her homestead. Like, like if, when your husband croaked back in the dizzle, like, your butthole was puckering because you're like, fuck, they're coming for me. Can you imagine? 
So of the 50,000 or more individuals executed for witchcraft during this time, there was only a very small percent that were actually practicing Wiccans. And many of these people were burned alive. They were beheaded. They were hung. And they were drowned. And also, there was a huge thing going on in Salem where they were pressed to death, where they would lay and they had like stones upon stones upon stones um, pressed on top of them. One of the most famous that this happened during the Salem Witch Trials was, um, I think his name was Giles Corey, if I'm not mistaken. I should have probably researched this before, but that name sticks out in my head. And he was pressed to death in Salem. And his the last rock that went on him, the person said like, do you, you know, say that you're a witch? And he said, more weight. And then he just died. Or they would drown witches and they would say, okay, if we drown this woman and she drowns, she's not a witch. But if she, we put her in the water to drown her and she raises from the water, then she's a witch. Well, you're fucked either way. You're dying both ways, right? So the Holy Roman Empire, which included modern-day Germany, Austria, and Switzerland, became the epicenter of the European witch craze. The German trials of Trier, Würzburg, and Bamberg were among the largest in history, resulting in the execution of over a thousand individuals. In these regions, witchcraft accusations were heavily influenced by the witch hunting handbook Malleus Maleficarum and centered around themes of demonology, pacts with the devil, and witches' Sabbath. The witch, the witch hunt also was huge in places such as the Netherlands, in Belgium, in Ireland, Russia, Finland, Estonia, and all these other places in Europe. And though thousands of witchcraft trials occurred in Spain and Italy, relatively few individuals were executed. Do you notice that Portugal's not in there? Because we, we're just lovers. We just love to lo- We just love to eat and fuck and just party. We don't give a shit about the witch shit. Because a lot of Portuguese women my ancestral lineage included, we were the fixatives. We were the white witches of our communities and our villages. We were the wet nurses. We were the tea leaf readers. We were the healers. We were the midwives. So producing a confession during this time was central to the process of trying suspected witches, and thus torture was used extensively during interrogations. Suspected witches were typically stripped, shaved, and searched for the witch's mark. Remember how I was talking about that before? Which was often found near the sexual organ. Now, the bottom line is, these motherfucker puritanical pieces of shit were just like, I want to see some pussy. Let me see those titties. Because they could never see pussy and titties. So they were like, let's get these hoes, these poor fucking women, whether they were like, you know, prostitutes or they were like high-born women, and they just would strip them and do all kinds of crazy shit to them. And while in prison, these suspected witches were subjected to torture such as the strapado, the rack, thumb screws, and the skull's bridle. You guys, just Google this shit and you will shit a purple twinkie and pass out to know what these women went through. And that's on top of sleep deprivation, food de- deprivation, water deprivation, and obviously assault. And this torture often did not end after the confession. Rather, Most victims continued to be interrogated until they named their accomplices. Many imprisoned witches accused dozens of other people, sometimes hundreds. So that if you know anything about the Salem witch trials, it was like, first of all, a lot of these people that were having these uh, illusions or delusions, if you will, they were like, I'm flying, I'm a witch, there's a witch in the corner, chichaba, chichaba, right? Dude, they were all fucked up because the rye bread that they were eating was poisoned. It was rotten and moldy, and they actually were tripping their fucking tits off. You guys, Google this. It's so insane that that is what, how the Salem witch trials actually really happened. And then these girls, these little girls were so out of their minds because they were eating all this fucking rotten, moldy rye bread that was making them trip their fucking balls off. They were, they were convulsing and all these things, and it was all because of the bread. Don't believe me? Google it. It's a fucking real deal thing, okay? So in Germany, Switzerland, and Austria, and other regions that were heavily influenced by the ideologies of the Malleus Maleficarum, suspected witches were typically burned alive at the stake. 
And in Scandinavian countries, witches were typically beheaded, hanged, and strangled before their bodies were burned. Witch trials in these regions focused more on the use of mal- uh, malicious magic, so summoning storms, damaging crops, causing illness, etc., and less on demonology and pacts with the devils and the witches' Sabbath, because in Scandinavian countries, they were pagan, most of them, before actual Christianity came to their shores. Most Scandinavian countries were pagan, so they were doing blood sacrifice. They were doing a lot of magic stuff, but they would blame these women in their towns, like if the crops went, didn't go over that well, or they had a fucking crazy storm, or, you know, like the Vikings went and took their longboats and, like, there was a crazy storm, and they, like, lost a lot of the boats. They would, like, say that the witches were putting, like, a ba- you know, a spell on these people. Or if there was an illness that went through um, the town, they would blame it all on witches. Not just, like, hey, sometimes shit happens, and there's fucking storms, and shit gets crazy. Or, hey, sometimes, like, you know, we have a drought, or there's too much sun, and there's not enough sun, and, like, our, our crops don't grow well. Blame it on the bitches, right? And what happened is... In the places where Christianity was very strong, which was in the puritanical society of Salem, Massachusetts in the 16 and 1700s, that's why they were so obsessed with the devil and Baphomet and demonology and packs with the devil and the, and the, you know, the devil's teat and the cat is a familiar and it's sucking on the devil's teat and the witch's Sabbaths in the woods and like all this crapola. So an estimated 20% of all individuals executed for witchcraft during the burning times were men, okay? And in some countries and regions, men were prosecuted for witchcraft at even a higher rate than women. And these regions include Finland, Estonia, Iceland, Russia, Russia, Burgundy, and Normandy. I don't really know why this is, but if I had to surmise, I would have to say that um, the male shamanic figure was very strong in those countries at that time. I don't know if that's true, but I'm a pretty smart bitch, and I know some things, and I'm just going to say it. So these male witches were typically either cunning folk or shepherds accused of malicious magic. So if a man was like very like cunning, and he could woo a crowd, and he was very strong, and he was a leader, he would be a witch. And if he was, you know, a shepherd out in the field and, like, they thought he was, like, under the moon night, like, dancing with the devil and, like, putting spells on everybody. So, if most of the victims of burning times were not witches, what sparked the witch craze? There were a number of key factors that contributed to making early modern Europe the ideal climate for a continent-wide witch hunt. So, here we go. You ready? So number one, people were seeking scapegoats for bad luck, and witches were just easy targets. When I say witches, I'm using my my quotation fingers because these people weren't witches. They were just everyday people. Number two, disputes over the privatization of land were common at this time, and witchcraft accusations were a way to keep people quiet. Doesn't that feel oddly like right now, how everyone is just doing the same exact thing? Like, if you don't subscribe or you're not in the same camp as this person or this group of people, you're the witch, you're the bad guy, you're the other. Think about it. Think about how the witch wound is, and this just came to me, think of how the witch wound is still playing out, but it's playing out now on a singular consciousness, meaning like, hey, I have the witch wound, and it's also playing out in a collective consciousness, right? Like us versus them, right? The vax against the anti-vax. The black against the white, right? The this against the that. The Republicans against the Democrats. It's all the same bullshit, guys. And we are being played by the fucking Matrix. And guess what? The Matrix was back then in the 15, 14, 13, whatever hundreds too. So remember when I said the seeking of scapegoats for bad luck. So Europe experienced several crises in the centuries leading up to and during the burning times, which caused views about magic to change. A period of regional cooling known as the Little Ice Age occurred between 1300 and 1850, and this cooling caused longer and colder winters, more severe storms, widespread crop failures, famines, and an economic downturn. And witches were frequently blamed for these and other misfortunes. So don't you think it's a funny correlation that during the time that this was happening, we were experiencing a small ice age. Blame on the witches. It's their fault. And number two, the disputes over the privatization of land, right? 
As the little ice age diminished, harvests across Europe, the wealth gap widened. Okay? Landowners began fencing off this communal land, which increased its value and forced off the people who had depended on it for generations, right? And these angry and outspoken women were viewed by those in power as a nuisance and a threat who came forward and was like, yo, motherfuckers, you can't fucking do this to our land. This is our ancestors' land. You can't just be like, oh, I'm going to put a fence around this land. It's mine now, and we own it, and what the fuck? And most of the people who came forward were women. They were like, oh, hell no, motherfucker. Like, we always fucking do. And guess what? It's no coincidence that over women over the age 40 made up the largest demographic of the witch trial victims during this time of privatization. And the third thing that really sparked these burning times was the, con the control of women and of women's bodies. Remember, throughout the Middle Ages, many women earned income by working as seamstresses, as brewers, as midwives, as healers, innkeepers, launderers, and as domestic servants. And in the 1500s, women's socioeconomic positions began to decline. Women were increasingly excluded from these work roles and subjected to stricter expectations of subservience. And I think it's very funny that Catholicism goes hand in hand with that and the different sects of Christianity. Women who earned their own income or who refused to marry and bear offspring, which at that time was to supply the future labor pool, were a threat to the growing systems of capitalism and patriarchy. The fourth thing is the publication of the Malleus Maleficarum. In 1486, a German inquisitor named Heinrich Kramer published what would become the most influential witch hunting book in history, the Malleus Maleficarum, or in English, the Hammer of the Witches. The Malleus Maleficarum consists of three sections. The first section first argues that witchcraft is real, that it is inherently linked with the devil, and that women are more inclined towards witchcraft than men. The second of the sections describes the evils of witchcraft in gruesome detail, such as how witches fornicate with the devil and devour babies and children to gain their magical powers. And the third outlines how to identify, interrogate, and prosecute a suspected witch. And listen to this, you guys, okay? You ready for your fucking nipples to fall off and run away? For 200 motherfucking years, the Malleus Maleficarum sold more copies than any book in Europe other than the Bible. The Malleus Maleficarum shaped the burning times by popularizing the following belief, that witches are extremely wicked, malicious, and dangerous, that women are more susceptible to witchcraft than men and it is therefore necessary to discriminate against them, and that witches are guilty of the most heinous crimes imaginable and deserving of equally heinous punishments. Many of these truths about the atrocities of the burning times are often difficult to read, yet it is only by remembering and just as importantly understanding the past that we can assure that these events never happen again. All right, are you ready? So, we've made it to the part of me talking about the actual witch wounds, symptoms, signs, etc. So, the witch wound, okay? This one is really big, guys. It's actually huge. And one of the reasons that I felt that we really had to go really, truly deep into this is because this is part of the Trinity Wound Triangle. I've already gone over the mother wound and how to heal that in a old podcast. So if you haven't listened to that, how to heal the mother wound, go back and listen to that. I have not dove yet into the sister wound. I will get into that down the road. But the Holy Trinity of the Trinity Wound Triangle is the mother wound, the sister wound, and the witch wound. Okay? So we're going to get really deep now into, like, actually what is the witch wound itself and then the signs and symptoms. So let me, I want to 
I want to take this time, and I know that this is like trigger warning. This could be very hard to listen to, but I hope that you listen because this is going to help you really feel the feelings and discover and remember what you've gone through ancestrally, what your family has gone through, and what you've gone through also in past lives. So the witch wound is not just an ancestral passed down thing, it's also a past life thing. So I'm going to paint a rather grotesque yet very accurate picture for you so that you can truly understand the depth of this wound. And I'm going to take you through an extremely condensed, paraphrased version of an activation that I once experienced when I was doing some past life regression around the witch wound. Okay? So it's, it's intense, and if you have the witch wound, it will trigger you. But here we go. This is the Ambitious Podcast, right? It's not the fucking Play With My Pubes podcast. This is real shit. We're here to learn, we're here to grow, we're here to go to the next level. So clean the fucking potatoes out of your ears and listen to what I'm going to say. Okay, so this is from a past life regression that I had. First, I want you to imagine that you're going about your day and you're minding your own business and you're just going about your day and you're doing your own things and maybe you just finished your morning rituals, maybe you just finished your yoga session and you're reflecting. You're reflecting in your home, just sitting in Lotus, and you hear a knock at the door. And when you open the door, big, intimidating men are standing on your front porch with scowls. And behind them, you see a group of people have gathered, mostly men, but plenty of women are also there too. And the men take their hands and they grab you and they drag you from your home. And they drag you to the center of a courtyard where more people have gathered. And maybe you are so confused you've gone into freeze mode. And maybe you are so pissed off you're kicking and screaming and you're telling them to let you go. And either way, you're ignored. And at that moment, one of the men begins to speak. And he says, this is the persecution of, fill in the blank with your name, a witch. We will not tolerate witchery, abominations, or trickery in this village. And as you struggle on the stake, your wrists burn from the friction against the ropes that you've been tied up with. And you can't believe this is happening. And who is going to stop this craziness? And you look around at the crowd and you see faces of a few women have, who have been standoffish to you. Who have avoided you because they thought you were different. And they're all smiling. And they're enjoying seeing you like this. And the men speak to the crowd more intensely now, but you aren't listening to the words. You're completely engulfed in the realization that you are being hunted. You're being persecuted and that you're going to die. And no matter how hard you struggle against the binds that tie you, you are stuck and there's no way out. And it feels like hours, but instead it's minutes. And before you can think about any other way out of this situation, one of the men lights a gas-soaked rag and it erupts into a fiery blaze under your feet. And he walks over to you so close that you can actually feel the heat lick at your flesh and your thoughts turn to the future. If no one stops us now, who will do so in the future? What will happen to my children? What about my friends? What about my sister, my mother, my aunt, who's also different? And the man sets the flame to the bottom of the stake. And it only takes a few seconds for it to wind its way up to your feet. And you start to smell your flesh burning. And you feel pain so intense you believe dying is better than having to feel this. And the flames grow higher and hotter. And it engulfs you until there is nothing left of you but your soul. This is sadly part of the witch wound. And it is so pervasive. It is so pervasive that even today, we actively ignore or avoid talking about it. Because to talk about it means we would have to address it all. All of the deeply rooted beliefs that come with it. But that's part of how it stays intact. And I, Katie motherfucking Boyd, am not here to be part of that problem. I desire to be part of the solution. But part of the solution of healing the witch wound, both in ourselves and 
all over the world and collectively conscious is to understand how it shows up in our lives today. So now I'm going to take you through how the witch wound shows up in our lives today. So, here we go. You experience jealousy when other women use their gifts and allow themselves to be seen or heard. You are afraid of using your own body to be seen or heard. You feel disembodied from her, from your body, your mind, and your spirit. You're fearful of being seen. You're afraid of using your voice to share your thoughts, ideas, or to advocate for yourself and others. You're disconnected from your emotions, seeing sensitivity as weakness, crying as attention-seeking, and divine feminine energy as foreign and unattainable. You're unaccepting of support from others, especially women. This is this has been a really hard one for me. You're disconnected from your innate gifts, your healing powers, and your ancestors. You have a general mistrust in others. You participate in gossiping amongst friends. You live in fear of being hurt. You're disconnected from your intuition, and you're unable to trust your gut. You harbor feelings of revenge, capable of taking someone down and believing that others should hold the same beliefs as you do. The witch wound also shows up as being labeled separate or other or bad. It shows up as a disconnection from your own cultural lineage. It shows up as a disconnection from the healing modalities used by your ancestors. It also shows up as oppression of your personal beliefs and freedom of those beliefs. It is also um, isolation from others, a mistrust of women who are not in your inner circle, and a constant fear that violence will be used against you. So how many, how many of these symptoms resonate with you? That's the first question I want you to ask yourself. The second question is, are you answering on a surface level or are you really connecting to the question, right? So if I say to you, um, you know, do you have a mistrust of other women or men who are not in your inner circle? Or are you in a deep fear and constant fear of violence being used against you? Or are you disconnected from your intuition? Or are you afraid of using your voice? to share your thoughts, ideas, or to advocate for yourself and others, right? Um, it's also can be showing up as energetic blocks in your throat or sacral chakra. It can also be being too much or not enough. This can also be a disconnection to your sexuality and sexual nature. And the third question I desire for you to ask yourself is, how many of these symptoms do I want to bypass or not admit as they feel too big to explore, right? And there's no doubt that all three wounds, the mother wound, the sister wound, and the witch wound, there is deep healing to do individually. However, the healing of the witch wound needs to be done collectively because it continues to be perpetuated in the collective, even now, right? Even now. So the list that I just said to you is just literally scratching the surface. And it's not the only things, okay? This is not an exhaustive list. But as you can see, there are still plenty of ways in which this wound rears its ugly head. And by the way, notice how many of these attributes above that I just read that you should be addressing in your own life. And think about it. If the burning times are no longer here, why then is this wound still so prevalent? Most of us in well-developed countries are no longer in danger of being burned at the stake. 
but that doesn't mean the wound from those who were burned at the stake or felt the fear of being burned at the stake just goes away. And instead, they become internalized as unhealthy coping mechanisms and survival strategies. Those then are passed down from generation to generation to continue this vicious cycle. So let's, let's, let's listen to the next thing that I'm going to say to you. And it's, and it's two women, and I want you to connect to one or the other. So women, woman A, okay? So woman A is a relative of yours who witnessed the atrocities that happened to you. Living in fear, she does what she needs to do in order to survive. She hides her abilities. She keeps her head down. She steps away from her power and becomes submissive and compliant. She isolates, she isolates herself in the case that someone finds her out. She dampens her power to blend in. She refuses to talk about the trauma for fear of being wronged and having the same fate. She rejects her lineage and practices to avoid being othered. Now, woman B. Woman B is in the crowd of people who watches you burn at the stake. This woman is confused as to what she believes, but there is one thing she knows to be true. She doesn't want to die like you. The fear is so strong that she decides then and there to out others who have a higher chance of being bad than she does. She dutifully reports to her community leaders about the other women she knows. She believes that by outing others, she's protecting herself and her family from the trauma that she's witnessed. Even though some of the women have been or are her friends, she can't dare slip up in her beliefs because then it could happen to her. And in both of these scenarios, the women have internalized the fear of being burned at the stake. And both women had to readjust their belief systems. They had to readjust their actions. Can you see how this can alter the lives of the generations that were to come? And now imagine all of that on the grand scale of the burning times. And this, this is exactly why it's so prevalent, because we live in a constant state of fear, real or imagined. It's literally been embedded in our DNA to protect ourselves against persecution. So this leads me to the next question. How do we heal from this wound? How do we stop living from a place of fear and stop the intergenerational cycle of the witch wound that we have been born into? And the first step is exactly the same way as healing the mother wound. Awareness, okay? First, the awareness that is a wound we must give attention to. Awareness that it's a collective, global, and pervasive wound. Awareness that we don't have to subscribe to the narrative that we've been born into and that the world reinforces. Awareness that in the past, our ancestors have had to use these coping mechanisms to survive, but that we are no longer in a time where those threats are viable, at least not the burning at the stake. I mean, the witch wound is coming up now in other ways that I had mentioned before, right? It's like not too long ago, about a, a year into the Rona, Rachel Hollis, who wrote a book called Girl, Wash Your Face, she... This is like the one thing that comes up in my mind when I'm, when I'm talking to you about the witch wound because I, I saw it happen earlier in 2020 and I was like gutted from it and it triggered me to go into my witch wounding and not show up as the way I wanted to show up. So long story short, Rachel Hollis is a Christian. She had a happy marriage. She had a bunch of kids. She wrote this book, Girl, Wash Your Face. She was making money by doing like all these huge like live seminars from all over the world. She was making tons of money on her book. She had all of these different programs and whatever. And lo and behold, her and her husband separate and they get, they're getting a divorce. When I tell you that the motherfucking women that came for her and persecuted her and called her every name in the book and literally burnt her at the stake, obviously figuratively, like ruined her career, like, took her down a bunch of pegs. It was like watching someone be burned at the stake, but it was like on social media. 
and she was like canceled so many different times for different reasons. She had made some um, what people thought were like racist remarks, and she also talked about like how like funfetti Duncan Hines cake or some shit was like ghetto, and it remind, it's for poor people to eat that. And she's and listen, she's a human motherfucking being. Like we all fuck up, we all say crazy shit, we all say things that we don't mean. But this bitch was dragged, okay? She was dragged. And there was, like, a part of me that, like, I was watching it, and I feel so shitty saying this, but I'm going to just say it because you know I'm, like, authentic and real. Like, I actually, like, liked it. I, like, liked watching it a little bit because I was like, yeah, she, you know, take her down a peg and, like, take her off her high horse and, like, she's not a Christian, like, all this crap. And I'm like, I had to take a step back and go, like, Katie, what are you fucking doing? What are you doing? Like, this is a woman. This is like a woman who's about about your age. She's a mother. She's a wife. She's someone's daughter. She's someone's sister. Like, how can you just, like, stand by and, like, watch this happen? Now, I know that if I went on her Instagram and said, like, nice things about her, no one would really give a fuck. It wasn't like I was going to change her life by saying something. But I've just started, like, feeling so bad for her. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is how the witch wound shows up in this day and age where just, like, Woman A and woman B that I spoke of before, one is getting dragged and burned at the stake figuratively, and the other one is doing it and watching it and hoping and praying to God that it's not her. So we have to heal not only the witch wounds inside ourselves, but we have to heal the witch wound that is the collective, that is the absolute collective. And I'm using the Rachel Hollis story as just something that I just came to my mind when I was talking about the witch wound. And I was like, oh shit, you've done it. You've done it to other people. I've done it many times to other women and other people. Like, when you're having a bad day and someone else fucks up or someone else, like, you know, trips and you're like, good, fuck her, you know? We've all been there. But by healing this witch wound, it does, it goes away. It, it goes away quicker. You don't see it come up as much. And if we all healed our own witch wounds, wouldn't we collectively heal it in the, in the collective consciousness of our world today. So, like I said, after the awareness and the acceptance, we move into the action phase. This is the hardest part of healing the witch wound. And the reason why it's the hardest part of the process, in my opinion, is because you can't unknow what you already know, right? And when you know better, the way forward is to do better. So what does this healing actually look like, right? It's recognizing that it's a choice now to live in constant fear and adhere to survival coping mechanisms. If the last two years of our life have not brought the witch wound to the motherfucking forefront, I don't know what else could, okay? Remember when Rona first started happening, everyone was just like hoarding food and hoarding toilet paper? And they were afraid, like, to hug someone. They were afraid to kiss someone. You were afraid to touch a door handle. You were afraid to shake someone's hand. You were afraid if someone, like, cleared their throat, like, in the checkout line next to you. Like, right? All of that shit that we have gone through in the last two years, it fucking triggers the witch wound to come and rear its ugly head. The same thing with all of the us and them energy that's going on collectively all over the world, right? It's like the vaxxers against the anti-vaxxers, right? Even though, I don't know if y'all haven't read the science, oh yeah, that no matter if you're triple motherfucking vaccinated and boosted and roosted and cloistered, you can still A, get motherfucking COVID and B, give COVID to other people. Same thing if you're not vaccinated, okay? Like, we're all the same, you guys. We piss and shit and bleed red. Okay? This is the patriarchy once again instilling and inflicting this control onto us. And we're fucking allowing it. We're allowing it all over again, people. Wake the fuck up and take the fucking red pill. The more of us who band together and awaken... And don't allow ourselves to be dragged from our homes and burnt at the stake and canceled. The more that we will collectively heal the witch wound. 
The next thing is we have to recognize that we can no longer turn a blind eye to the trauma and the pain and the wounding and the oppression that has been happening for centuries and has continued to happen. If you think that showing a vaccine card or a vaccine passport to go eat at fucking Applebee's is okay, whether you are vaccinated or non-vaccinated, you are part of the problem. I have friends who have been vaccinated and who have been boosted up the yin-yang, and they're still like, yo, it's wrong to have to show a passport to go anywhere and do anything. And you know how we vote? And you know how we heal this witch wound with, and I'm using COVID for an example, is we don't go to the restaurants and to the places who make you show a vaccine card and create the others, create the us versus them, create the witches versus the non-witches. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the next thing is, choose to do the internal work around these wounds and being brave enough to talk about them. And listen, this is not a political thing. This is not an anti-vax-vax situation. I'm using this as a wake-the-fuck-up-take-the-red-pill. Like, understand that we are being controlled still by the fucking patriarchy, by doing any of the shit, by giving our precious life force energy to politics and to this vaccine bullshit and to the masking of our children and all of the other things that we're doing. You guys, you have no idea. Like, in 300 years, we won't have the witch wound anymore. We're going to have the fucking Rona wound. And then our fucking ancestors are going to have to heal this time in our lives, just like we probably still are healing, you know, the, the concentration camps and Nazi Germany and the persecution and the genocide of the Jews and World War II and the Spanish influenza. And the Civil War. I mean, we can go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. You know, like fucking, what's his name? Billy Joel said, we didn't start the fire. It was always burning till the world was turning. Right? You guys, we didn't start the fire, but we can fucking end the fire. By waking the fuck up and understanding that this is just the witch wound playing out into into the new millennium. And last but not least. We have to reclaim ourselves, our past, and our lineages, our pain and our trauma, and our place in all of it. Because individual healing from trauma helps set a piece of the pattern of the universe into a new ancient rhythm of resounding care. And remember, remember, we are the daughters of the witches that they could not burn. We are the daughters of the witches they could not burn. And let me say it for a third motherfucking time. We are the daughters of the witches that they cannot burn. Okay? So, how are we going to heal this? Number one, find your goddesses. Find your circle. So many women that have the witch wound are so afraid of being vulnerable and opening up to other women in friendship and relationships and whatever. That is why I created monthly goddess gatherings at my wellness center, Katie Boyd's Misfit Club. We actually have one coming March 19th. It's a full day. It's early in the morning to late at night. And then we all go out and have a scrumptious dinner together. And we do deep, deep collective healing work. So number one is find your goddesses. Number two is heal your throat and sacral chakra. Your throat chakra being the place of not wanting to stick up for yourself, not wanting to stand up for the underdog or the woman that's about to be burned at the stake. And also your sacral chakra, which is where all of your sexual female energy comes from. So find a healer. You guys know that I do this. I do private healing sessions, one-on-one healing sessions. I do them both virtually and in person. Both are equally effective. So find someone that's going to help you heal your throat and sacral chakra. The third is speak your truth. I don't like to get political. I don't like to talk about all this shit because this is not, I think it's fucking a product of the matrix, but sometimes you just have to say like, Hey, I'm not choosing sides. I'm just saying like y'all are fucking crazy. Okay. So wake the fuck up. And like I said, if you don't like what I have to fucking say, go into your bathtub 
get warm and cozy, put on a little fucking prince, diamonds and pearls, and go fuck yourself. Because this is the ambitious podcast. This is not the FIFA, FIFA, fadly rally, fadly laugh fucking podcast, okay? So speak your motherfucking truth. The next one is create fierce boundaries. No one can fuck with you if you have fierce boundaries. Read Ambitious the book. Go to kbmc.com and buy your copy. I teach you all about how to create your fierce boundaries. The next one is let your magic be shared and experienced. Part of the witch wound is having this magic inside of you and these gifts and not sharing them because you're afraid of people are going to call you a witch. Bitch, do you know how many motherfucking hoes come for me and say, like, you're Satan's lapdog, you don't love baby Jesus, you're a witch, you're this. I'm like, okay, you know what? Step off, I'm doing the hump, okay? You know, like, and the 69 my humpty nose will tickle your reel, okay? And the 69 my humpty nose will tickle your fucking rear. Just be you. If you're a witch, be a witch. If you're a Christian, be a Christian. If you're a Catholic, be a Catholic. Or how about this? How about do what I do and don't fucking label yourself at all? Just be your magical motherfucking unicorn riding, cotton candy eating, crystal fucking wearing, badass motherfucking ambitious witch. Just be her. And I promise your life will be very full of joy. The next one is stand up for the underdog. If you see someone who is being canceled, if you see someone who is being fucked with, if you see someone who is being persecuted, stand up for them. Even if you don't believe what they believe, sometimes someone just needs someone in their corner to help them. Get in touch with your sexuality. Stop being a prude. God put you on this earth to get laid, honey. Be sexy. Touch yourself. Do whatever you got to do to be in your sexuality. And don't be afraid of your sexuality. The next is connect with your ancestors. I talk a lot about this in Ambitious Academy. Right? Create a little altar. Put all your ancestors' pictures and what they like to eat or what or little like tokens or mementos of little things that they've given you. And every day as you pray and as you meditate, thank them for paying it forward, for living the life that they lived so that you may be here to live your life. Stand up against any oppression is the next one. Again, like I was talking earlier about the fucking vaccine passports. And listen, I don't give a fuck about it. I'm just saying we should not be put into an other and a them and they. This is what they have done throughout time. It's the Jews. It's the witches, right? It's the Rwandan fucking refugees. It's it's the fuck me, man. Don't you understand? This is a tool of the matrix and this is a tool of the patriarchy. They want us to be oppressed. They want us to be split. Because when we're split, we're easier targets to take down, especially as women. The next one is use your gifts. I don't care whatever God gave you as a gift and whatever gifts you have, whether it's singing or reading tarot or doing astrology or teaching people how to reach, you know, orgasm. I don't care what it is, but use your gifts and don't be afraid to speak about them. Go live on Facebook. Do Instagram lives. Have your own podcast. Let your voice be heard. And last but certainly not least, let your motherfucking freak flag fly. Let your freak flag fly. Who cares if you have blue hair? Who cares if you have a fucking nose ring that looks like a fucking door knocker hanging off your face? Who cares if you're transgender? Who cares if you like to dress up like a care bear and fuck people? It's none of my business. It's none of your business. It's no one's fucking business. Let your mother freak flag fly. Okay? Be you. That's that is what being ambitious is all about. Oh my God. Christ Almighty. I hope that this podcast helps you to heal your witch wounds because God knows we as a collective all need to heal that motherfucking wound. Don't forget. Don't forget.